I'd like to welcome you all to the Flight 742 Podcast. I'm your captain, Jimmy Robichaud. Today I'll be discussing the things that are said, even when they're not said. I'll also give my opinion on the slight issue that I have with the NFL draft and how athletes, or more specifically black athletes, are treated. Once again, this is the Flight 742 Podcast. Remember to like, share, and hit the subscribe button to get notifications when the flight lands. I hope you have your boarding passes ready. At this time, I'm going to ask that you make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in a full upright position and that your seat belt is correctly fastened. We'll be taking off shortly. Warning, expressive language. What's up? What's up? What's happening? How y'all doing out there? Get situated a little bit. We can get started. <clears throat> so, little technical difficulties. Hold on one second, y'all. Okay. Okay, so I'd like to welcome y'all to the Flight 742 podcast again. Um, I'm your pilot, your captain, your host, <laughs> Mr. Jimmy Robichaud. Um, So today I wanted to discuss a little something, and it's been something that's been kind of it's always bothered me, I guess. Um, I've always looked at it a little differently. Um, I think that just recently, uh, it's been discussed briefly on ESPN. So that kind of, um, I guess prompted this. Um, I've never, I don't know if I've ever discussed it in, in great detail on uh, previous episodes, but um, basically I'm talking about the NFL draft. Um, and this, I, I guess this can, you know, uh, go for any draft, um, more specifically the NFL draft, uh, just because, uh, the, you know, like I said, that was the most recent one that happened. So this is where my mind was, I guess, at that point in time. Um, so yeah, recently, you know, everybody knows, uh, we just had the NFL draft, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys had their dreams come through, come true, excuse me. A lot of families, uh, happy, um, maybe even some disappointed. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, I can only speak on, you know, I only say that only because I, I've seen some, some recordings when, uh, these same athletes sign, uh, college recruitment letters or to, you know, pick a school, you, we've seen something, I, I can't remember the guy, I think his name was uh, Lowell Collins, I believe that was his name, he plays for the Giants, or he used to play for the Giants, I don't know if he still does, um, but he was from New Orleans originally, I think he had moved after Katrina or something, he moved to Dutchtown, uh, I believe he was playing for Dutchtown High School or something like that, um, I don't know the specifics as far as that is, as far as like, how he ended up here or where or whatever, whatever, or what school. Um, but I do remember his mom wanting him to go to LSU <laughs> and he picked Alabama and she was very um, adamant, <laughs> if you will, about him going to LSU and, and how that was a incorrect decision on his part to go to Alabama. Um, it seemed to have worked out for him. He got a national championship and he, uh, he got drafted. So, wasn't all bad. Um, however, you know, in, in a lot of times you, you have to, um, well, okay, so I'll, I'll start it like this. A lot of times in, in Southern states, <laughs> um, specifically, and, and this is true all over the world, but a lot of times in Southern states, black people, we have to listen for two types of things. We have to listen for what white people say and what white people don't say, right? Like that's always an issue for us. Um, 
the idea behind that is there are a lot of things that they say in terms of uh, they're patting you on the back, uh, giving you kudos, attaboys, et cetera, et cetera. But then they're calling you the N-word or, you know what, they're calling you nigga behind your back, right? And or just calling you nigga to your face, they're just saying it in a different way, right? Um, one of the ways that, and again, this isn't, you know, exclusive, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. This isn't exclusive to just Southern states, obviously, right? So I don't know if anybody else has ever heard the phrase, oh, you speak so well. That's a nigga, <laughs> that's me calling, you know, that's them calling you nigga, right? In in, in so many words and so many ways and in, 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 <clears throat> in a roundabout way, that's them addressing you as a nigga. Um, so there is that, and there are a lot of things like that, where things are being said. Um, oh, your kids are so well-mannered. Well, what did you expect them to be? You know, just, just different things like that, right? So you listen for what they say as well as what they don't say. So that's always a thing that, you know, again, not saying that it, it's, you know, exclusively just to southern states but i know again that's where i live that's where i'm from so i know we have to do um so again the nfl draft and i'm gonna get to my point in a second though uh, y'all just kind of bear with me um so being that the draft just happened like i said i'm sitting there and i'm watching the draft and i'm watching things go on and and i'm watching how people are talking about certain athletes, right? Like uh, how, or just not even certain athletes, how they discuss athletes in general. Um, so recently there was a tweet that was sent out by, and I want to make sure I got this right, Courtney Cronin. Um, and the tweet talked about a scout from reportedly the Bears who re allegedly <laughs> referred to a draft pick as a PhD a poor, hungry, and desperate. Um, he followed it up by saying football is his life. Uh, this is the kid's life. There's a lot to like about that when you see a guy who's so passionate about football. So there's the, there's what I mean when I say the things they say and the same things they don't say, right? You hearing what they say and hearing what they don't say. So it is um y'all excuse me about this, excuse me for that. So it is a thing that again what they're saying on surface might not look that bad. Right? It, it might not be considered to someone just looking at it or to um those that say that you know racism doesn't exist in the NFL, i.e. Tiki Barber. Uh, our racism doesn't exist in, in the New York Giants facility at all, as if he would know that, you know, whether or not every person in the New York Giants facility is racist or not, but okay, cool, whatever, Tiki Barber. Um, but the idea is, again, listening to what they're saying and listening to what they're not saying. So, yes, well, you know, you heard this, oh, he's poor, hungry, desperate, uh, poor, hungry, desperate. And football is his life. This is his kid's life. There's nothing, there's a lot to like about uh, when you see a guy who's so passionate about football. That sounded like a compliment. And I'm sure in some ways, in some form, shape, or fashion, um, he probably meant it as a, as a compliment. Um, the only problem with that is it's kind of one of those, uh, again, Oh, you speak so well, things, right? Oh, you know, your kids are so well-mannered. Oh, you know, oh, they look so good when they're babies. <laughs> you know, they look so innocent when they're babies. <laughs> you know, again, hearing what you're saying, but also hearing what you're not saying, right? And now we've all heard rhetoric from the NFL as executives before, you know, so I don't think any of us are, are 
um, a novice <laughs> to the idea that there's racism in the NFL. Um, I don't think that that's a, a shock to anyone or anyone that's been paying attention. Let me say that. Um, I, I, I do know some people who are shocked that racism exists in the world, period. So why would it, why would they think that it exists in the NFL and they don't even believe it exists in the world? Hell, some of them don't even believe racism exists on their own block. <laughs> and they're the racist, right? <laughs> That's the problem. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, and we understand that the NFL has done that. Uh, you know, we've seen the tweet. I'm not, excuse me, not tweets. We've seen the emails, actually, uh, between John Gruden and members of the Washington Commanders. Uh, but now, Washington Commanders, um, you know, they were that team from Washington a few years ago, or whatever, or at the time that these were sent, but the Washington Commanders coaching staff, right? And we know about the cheerleaders and um, allegation of like, you know, sexual misconduct, et cetera, et cetera. So we understand that all this exists in the NFL. We understand that all this exists um, in football, period. Uh, I won't even mention the whole Penn State or Michigan University or University of Michigan uh, incidents with um, the sexual assault of, of young children or, or young, young men, uh, young boys. Um, so it is hard for me to understand when things like this come out, why people are so resistant to believe that these kind of things happen and that, that they're true and that they exist. Uh, you most recently you're getting the um, I think Hughes Jackson's lawsuit got dismissed or, or his claim um, as far as uh, the tanking went um, where he said that he was paid to lose games. Uh, Brian Flores one I think is still going strong uh, so we'll see on that um, but like I said we um, we understand that that exists. We understand that racism exists in football. We understand that racism exists in the NFL. Just, I mean, in the past few years, we've kind of uh, shied away, I guess, a little bit from the whole black quarterback thing. Although that still exists. Um, now it's not even a black quarterback. They're referred to as a mobile quarterbacks. Right. And it's funny because when you're white, you're a scrambler. <laughs> right? You're a scrambler. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's quick on his feet. He can, you know, he, he can move around. But when you're black, you're a mobile quarterback. And that's the moniker that you get, or that's the label you get slapped with. And it's a label that a lot of them carry throughout their whole career. I mean, even when some weren't as mobile, like Michael Vick, later in his career, Michael Vick wasn't the same Michael Vick he was in Atlanta. So, you know, but still referring to him as a mobile quarterback. Hell, I've even heard some reporters refer to Jameis Winston as a mo mobile quarterback when he was coming out of college. And hey, look, Jameis Winston is a lot of things. <laughs> especially coming out of Florida State. He, he was a lot of things, but one thing James Winston was never a mobile quarterback. Um, somebody even said that about Byron Leftwich, and I'm like, are you serious? Byron Leftwich is like the slowest quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> like, there's never been anybody worse, I think, uh, as far as a rookie. You know, a guy coming out of college, let's say that. You know I mean? Of course you have your guys like your Drew Brees and stuff who've had all these knee and, and neck and, and back surgeries and stuff that, you know, obviously they're not very mobile. <laughs> Excuse me, but these were these were guys talking about Byron Leftwich and, and Jameis Winston coming out of college, uh, talking about they were mobile quarterbacks. And I don't think anybody's ever excused them. Um, which makes me believe that I've talked about this before, but maybe not this in detail. I remember the James Winston thing. Um, and maybe I've talked about it on the uh, the other podcast, uh, the Trophies and Medals podcast that, you know, I co-host on. Uh, by the way, check that out. It's on all streaming services um, that you can find this. You can find it there as well as on um, YouTube. Excuse me. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, so if you actually want to see what I look like, <laughs> 
excuse me, or get some visuals, uh, you can go to YouTube and you'll see me there. It's the, again, it's the Trophies and Medals podcast. And that's Trophies and Medals spelled with a Z. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so like, you know, we understand that this kind of thing happened. We understand that this kind of thing is talked about, that it's spit around and that, you know, it, it, it exists. It's there. Now, it is noteworthy to mention um, the guy, it was revealed that the scout's name was Chris Prescott, um, which is amazing because it's most of the time in these incidents, I'll say, most of the time in, in things like this, we get things like, um, oh, league sources, right? Or unnamed executive or XYZ front office, you know, from, you know, that works for XYZ front office or whatever, you know, we, we get stuff like that. We don't typically get the, the actual person who says things like this or who does things like this. We don't we typically get their name. So to say that, that we actually got his name is big, I guess, in my instance, because again, we get to put a name to these, you know, unnamed sources. Um, so yeah, his name is Chris Prescott. Apparently he's a scout for the bears. Um, the thing is you have to wonder as well. And I think, uh, I can't think of the lady's name. I think Mina Kimis, King, King, Kimis. I forgot how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry. I'm a little befuddled at the moment. Um, but she she brought up a point. If this is the kind of thing that they're talking about in open, right? Like this is something that he openly discussed with someone uh, by referring to a uh, potential draft pick as a poor, hungry, and desperate. And then going on and saying that that's the kind of players that they like. When football is their life and that's everything, uh, Basically, their whole life is football. So, um, again, we know these kind of things happen. We know these things are said. But, again, the idea is if these are the things that are being said in public, what are they saying behind people's backs? Or what are they saying in closed doors? And I'm bringing up the John Gruden emails for any further references. Again, those are the emails that we were privileged to. I can only imagine what it looks like because it was thousands of pages, if I'm not mistaken, of just emails. Uh, now, granted, all some of them may have been some actual uh, work being discussed, but um, yeah, you can only imagine what all of the stuff that we wasn't privileged that the NFL didn't release because they only released, you know, a few uh, emails here and there or whatever saying, you know, this is what he said, enough to make their cases to say that he probably shouldn't be the head coach anymore, right? So, again, just what they're not saying. Um, but one of the things that I did kind of, and I've always kind of felt like this was, I've always felt like the, the draft and maybe just the NFL draft specifically was more of a slave auction than an actual I don't know than the actual draft you know it, and again it doesn't really sit right with me now I will say that I am one of them you know I'm not a you know one, you know, one of them hotels or anything like that that's not my, my thing I do believe in you know black people coming together I do believe in black people rising up I do believe in black people keeping money circulating within their their own self right you know, the, the whole Nipsey hustle, all money in, no money out thing, right? Like I am, I am all for that. Um, so I was a corrections officer. And one of the things that I hated about my job was the fact that I had to shackle around uh, young black men in chains, moving them from one place to the other, right? And that just didn't sit right. It, it never sat right with me. It never was a, a um, aesthetically, it never was pleasing to me mentally. It never was pleasing to me, even physically. It got kind of, I think it kind of weighed on. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was kind of disturbing for me as well. It always was an issue for me. 
the NFL draft is kind of like that as well, where it's kind of one of the things where it's just like, I get why it exists. I understand what it's there for. I understand the need for it. I understand uh, how it came about, the history of it, all that. I get all of that. I just still can't help but feel like the actions and the way we go about doing it is real kind of slave auctiony, right? Um, and I'll give you an example. So like there was a, uh, I don't know if anybody follows the show, it's called Winning Time. It comes on uh, HBO. It's basically about the rise of the Lakers dynasty, the Showtime dynasty, Dr. Buss, Magic Johnson, Kareem, uh, Spencer Haywood, Norm Nixon, et cetera, et cetera, right? The whole bird, uh, magic rivalry, just basically how the Lakers just, you know, was elevated and basically elevated the NBA to being a show, right? To, you know, not just a game, but just a show, right? So on there, there there's the, um, I'll say character, because I understand that some of these aren't really the actual depiction of these people or actual accurate depiction of these people. So I'll say, I refer to him as the character, uh, Spencer Haywood. On the show, um, he talked about working, uh, I think he said it was from Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken, but he talked about working sharecropping and, and how close sharecropping was to slavery. And he tells a story about when he was born, the overseer comes in and takes one looks at his hands and it's like, ooh, that boy gonna be able to pick a lot of cotton with them kind of hands, right? I feel like that's the, the spirit that we, we're dealing with when we talk about the NFL draft, right? Because that's the idea about the NFL draft all the way and down to the point of, hey, his hands are too small to grip the ball, right? Because that was the whole thing about Kenny Pickett, uh, the quarterback from uh, Pittsburgh. You know, yes, he's white. I know, I understand, but I'm proving a point here, right? Um, but the fact that, you know, that's the complaint. And not just Kenny Pickett, right? It's basically quarterbacks in general, right? The idea, because there have been some quarterbacks that they talked about it before. I think maybe Kyler Murray, maybe. That was an issue for him. But I think Ian Book as well, uh, the quarterback, the third-string quarterback for the Saints. I, I think they talked about, like, uh, his hands being too small and things like that. And, you know, how basically certain ba – this is basically how certain physical attributes um, – make you better at certain positions than others, right? Like, you know, obviously if you have long length, you know, long, uh, big solid arms, or, you know, like you hear people talk about uh, butts, right? Guys with, with big butts, big, big wide hips and things like that. You know, obviously you're probably going to be more prone to be an offensive or defensive lineman, right? Like that's, that's the idea, you know, your, your physical attributes. If you're like 300 some pound, probably alignment, right? Um, I feel like that's kind of how they pick slaves to do certain jobs. Like you said, you got good hands, you know, you can pick a lot of cotton, right? Look at them hands. Even to the idea that, you know, hey, he light skin, put him in the house, dark skin, put him in a field, right? Physical attributes have always been the deciding factor when it came to slave auctions. It's the idea. Um, like I said, with, with Spencer, he was he was discussing that about that, that, and he made a comment to one of the coaches where, uh, oh, you want to trade me? You just have to check my teeth first to make sure, you know, because that's what they do with horses, right? You check the teeth, make sure they're good so you can sell them. Well, they also did that with slaves as well. You know, you would check them out, make sure they haven't been beaten, make sure that, you know, all, you know, all four limbs are working. If they're missing a toe or a finger or something, obviously that, you know, it's like a dented can, right? Because this is property we're talking about, not people. And I feel like that's how they talk about, um, again, athletes in general, but specifically football players. We talk about their height. We talk about their weight. We talk about the length of their arms. We talked about um, 
injuries that they may have had in the past that probably will prevent them from doing X, Y, Z. And, you know, so do you see what I mean when I say like how that the same type of uh, conversation that you would have over a slave at a slave auction, you're essentially having at an NFL draft? Same conversation, same kind of rhetoric, same kind of uh, questions, same kind of expressions, only different, and to quote Willie Beeman on this one, the only difference is in the pros, the field hands get paid. But honestly, is it really enough? I mean, when you hear about these big contracts and how much one player is making versus another, but in reality, that's not the whole league. One, you know, I mean, typically it's like four or five guys that get those big money-making contracts like that, those $100 million, $100 million contracts like that, basically because the salary cap doesn't allow for teams to have, you know, more than that anyway, right? But also, that's just something that just doesn't happen. Most of these players, I believe the Saints just signed a running back um, from Baylor, I think they said something like $200,000 was guaranteed for his contract. And I think he signed like maybe a year or two contract or something like that, but 200,000 guaranteed. Now granted for somebody like me, 200,000 is a lot, right? I guess I think for anybody, 200,000 is a lot. However, 200,000 is more than I've ever made in, in, in a year, right? for doing one particular job or whatever it is, right? So, well, yeah, that's a lot. It's not the millionaires people think they are, right? Because, I mean, when you talk about taxes, agents, um, taking care of XYZ family member or, hell, even your own family, you know, you know, your own personal family, kids, wives, et cetera, et cetera, security for going certain places or whatever whatever what have you i mean you know we're not talking about a lot who you know left over from that two hundred thousand. let's say that you know what i mean after you know again you're paying for nutritionists and, and cooks and all this other good stuff and you know because you're trying your body is, is basically the thing you're using to make money off of right so you have to take care of that um, so yeah, that 200,000 doesn't go a long way after a while, after you think about it, you look down and you break down certain things. So not every player is a millionaire like that. And even then, even the millionaires aren't really millionaires. They're just what they contracts. Well, that's just what was reported on ESPN, that they're getting a million dollars this year. Probably don't take home in a million, but anybody who's paid taxes understand what you make and what you take home are two different things. Clearly. So there's that. Um, but I think also the idea too is we can't really say that it's just NFL or that it's just NFL personality because we do that sometimes, right? And I say we as in just us fans, people who watch the show or, or, or people who watch uh, football or watch these, these games. Or, you know, we cheer them on and things like that. But we also make certain rhetoric, or, or not rhetoric, we also make certain statements that can be perceived as dehumanizing. Because that's the whole idea, right? The whole idea is to dehumanize these athletes and or, you know, and players um, to then make them more property than actual people. Now, that is also a thing that they try to do with just black people in general as well, right? They try, you try, they try to dehumanize. And what I mean by that is, and again, like I said, we're guilty of it ourselves because we do, right? But we say things like, oh man, he's a beast. Or, oh man, that guy's an animal. Oh, he's a stud, he's a horse. Property livestock, animals, beasts. And I understand, look, don't get me wrong. I'm guilty of it myself. I've even referred to myself as some of these, uh, you know, adjectives. <laughs> like I, I refer to myself as a beast on the football field a few times, or, you know, I'm a, I was an animal out there, man. Like when I got going, I got going, right? Like, so 
don't get me wrong, I, I'm guilty of it myself. So I'm not excluding myself in this situation or, or excluding myself from this. I just feel like, again, there's the things of when you say something, what are you not saying, right? And I think there are a lot of times they refer to these athletes as, as beasts and animals and uh, things like that because, well, you can dehumanize them. You know, and it, it, it kind of comes down to the idea. So like, there's a scene again. I, so if you haven't paid attention, right? I live my life in movie lines, right? So there's a scene in Friday Night Lights where the coach is talking about it. And this is the kind of thing that you get when you use words, beast, animal, um, you know, terror, you know, uh, stud, all these, you know, things that we use that, that we think are, are compliments maybe not so much when you when, when it's coming from certain people right or, or the context or the meaning behind what it is that you're referring to when you're calling these people these things right so there's a scene in Friday Night Lights where uh the coaches uh the guy I, I can't remember his name but it, it, it's Billy Bob Thornton's character and he's, he's, he's the head coach of, of uh Odessa um He's sitting and thinking he's having dinner, I guess, with a bunch of alumni and boosters and things like that. And a female is like, hey, you should play Booby Miles on defense. And he's like, well, you know, that's a good idea. I just don't want to get him hurt. He's like, oh, that big black nigga's not going to get hurt. And that's what they think about us, right? That's the dehumanizing thing. And he actually did end up getting hurt, never played football ever again. Well, he played Juco after that, but he never was the same after that, right? And granted, they didn't put him on defense. You know, it, it was within the scope of what he was supposed to be doing that he got hurt, but that's the idea. He did get hurt. And life was never the same. And that's the thing. They are willing to bury you into the ground for the sake of bragging rights. Because mind you, boosters and alumni don't get championship rights, right? Unless, you know, well, some of them do, let me say it like that. Dep I guess depending on how much money you get, you get a championship rank. But in all honesty, did you really earn that rank, though, right? You're a booster. You weren't actually on the field. You weren't coaching. You didn't do anything. You gave money. Cool. You get a rank. Say you was a part of it. And for some people, that that's that's the whole reason that they become boosters and, and alumni. That's why you see a lot of these NIL deals, right? People just want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of, of a winning team, you know, winning something, right? But that's the idea when you talk about that kind of stuff. You know, when you say, you know, he's a beast or, oh, he's an animal or, oh, he does this or he does that. That's kind of where you're leading them. And I think sometimes as black people, we make jokes. We say things, you know, around white people. And we make jokes and we don't realize that we're giving white people a pass because they feel like that. They feel like you're their black friends. And if their black friend can make jokes about it like that, then why can't I make jokes about it? Right? Tone deaf, ignorant. Not understanding that that's not for you. Even up to and I would never to this day understand why it is such an uh, 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 angst for white people to say nigga. Like, I don't understand why that is such a debate. Just don't say the word. Like, I don't understand why you feel like you have to say the word. You, it, it's not for you. There's nothing in your life that will enhance it any by using that word. I know because it doesn't enhance mine by using it. Why would, it, why would you want to use it? But again, it goes back to the dehumanizing thing, right? As long as you, they can keep, as long as they can keep you as a nigga in their minds, as long as they can keep you as a horse, as, as, a, as an animal, as a beast, they can hold on to all of those ideas. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, they're, 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 they're nothing but uh, uh, just, just sexual pent up balls of aggression. They're just going to rape all of the white women and take our jobs. And, you know, they can hold on to that kind of bullshit rhetoric when you hold on to the idea of dehumanizing us, right? 
And that's why. That's why things are said like that. That's why you have the draft. That's why it's structured the way it is. That's why. Because you can sit up there and you can dehumanize these players and take away the idea of, hey, this is a man. He bleeds. He cries. He has emotions. He has a family. He has a mother. Sometimes, you know, uh, they, they have family, kids of their own, wives, right? Now, I won't go as far as into it as, as to say what Russell Westbrook was like, oh, you know, they're calling me, you know, Westbrook and my kids got to hear that. And yada. I get what he's saying. Don't get me wrong. I won't take it that far, you know, as far as heckling. But I do think that there are a lot of things that, again, are said and are accepted because it is a... Um, we are, they are made to feel comfortable, again, with these select words and the way that things are handled and the way things are done. Um, which then makes it easy for them to say, hey, just shut up and play, right? You're not human. You're not a man. You don't get a vote in this. You don't get a say in this. Why are you talking? Do the job that you're supposed to do. Run the ball, nigga. Catch the ball, nigga. That's your job. Nobody want to know your opinion. We're not trying to hear that. You, we want to hear opinion from, from, from college graduates. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I slept that in that. Because, right, because, you know, athletes aren't college graduates. They don't get degrees. Shouts out to James Winston while we're talking about it, going back and getting his degree from Florida State. Um, that That's huge as well. So, uh, but yeah, it is done to dehumanize us. So when you do get somebody like a Colin Kaepernick, now granted, you can feel however you want to feel about Colin Kaepernick. You can say he only did it because he was going to lose his job. You can say about him not speaking up right now because that is my criticism of him now, right? Like, I'm, there's too many tweets. There's too many people speaking on behalf of him. We're not hearing from him enough. That's my opinion. That's my critique of him or my opinion of him, right? Opinions, assholes, everybody got one, right? Um. But then you have those unruly ones, like I was saying, right? The ones that just won't comply with plantation policy, <laughs> right? The ones that just won't listen. Just We're telling you what you have to do, nigga. You just don't want to listen. And if not for nothing else, like I said about Colin Kaepernick, depends on how you feel. He was obviously told not to do something, and he still did it so for nothing else you know bucking the system or 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 checking the, the 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 system or the policy about certain things for nothing else for that i'm including him in this conversation again feel how you want to feel about him personally but for if anything else he was told not to do something still did it anyway right nfl told him not to do something and we know why they told him not to do it you understand what the issue was as far as them and anybody that thinks it has anything to do with supporting the troops supporting veterans anything like that let me tell you right here as someone who was a veteran or is a veteran let me not even say was am a veteran let me explain to you right now because that's the shit that pisses me off more because they got so many people speaking on behalf of veterans you're not supporting the veterans if you're supporting colin kaepernick shut the fuck up If you are not a veteran, please do not speak for veterans because the shit that pisses me off about that is, oh, you want to speak for veterans now when you see Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, but you don't speak up in veterans when they can't get uh, medical coverage. When all the Vietnam veterans came back, sprayed down with Agent Orange, were you speaking up then? Were you speaking up when they came back from the Gulf War all fucked up in the head, PTSD and all kinds of that? Were you speaking up then? Are you speaking up about, about veteran clinics? Uh, uh, veteran uh, health screenings, veteran suicides, 
Are you speaking up about any of these things else when it comes to the fucking veterans? Because if you're not, shut the fuck up about Colin Kaepernick. Or at least take veterans out of it. Don't make it seem like you're doing it for the veterans, because you're not. You can give two shits about the fucking veterans. It's whatever political bullshit you're trying to push and you're trying to use the veterans as a way to do it because you know you can get away with it. Because if you put veterans in it, then nobody can't question that. Because you're not supposed to, right? That's what we that, that's where we at now in times. We're supposed to support the veterans. But you used to spit in veterans' faces when they came back from war. Now we're supposed to support. Funny how that works. Funny how that works. And like I said, feel how you want to feel about Colin Kaepernick. I have my opinions about him as well. But he was told to do something by the NFL and he bucked the system. So again, that's why I'm bringing him into this conversation right now. That's why if nothing else, he gets a golf clap from me for doing that. But again, the idea is I think we have to be more cognizant. We have to be more careful. Um, I'm not saying that everything has to stop immediately, come to a screeching halt as far as us referring to certain names and certain things the way we do. I'm not saying that. Um, I'd like it to, but in reality, I understand it's the same way of saying the word nigga, right? Not everybody's gonna agree with it. It's not gonna be a consensus thing. I understand that some people just really aren't going to even take what I'm saying into consideration as a valid argument. Again, opinions, assholes, everybody have one, right? I guess my only point and my only purpose is really just to kind of make you think more than anything. Just pay attention. Just look. Listen. And like I said, listen to what not only they're saying, but what they're not saying. The deep, the, the, the coded messages. The words that are between the lines, right? Read those. Understand those. Because those are the things that I think we miss. So when things like a Colin Kaepernick comes down, we don't seem so divided on issues. And I get it. There's always going to be a Tiki Barber or a, um, what's the guy named? Uh, what's the running back? Um, Herschel Walker. There's always going to be guys like that. I get it. You know, guys that are just, sufficient with having having their way right I, I ain't worried about you I got my I'm getting mine out here they get their white wife moving to white neighborhoods just totally you know engulf themselves in white America, and white culture, or European culture, let's say it like that. Um, we know those exist. We know those are always going to exist. Always going to have those, especially when we are being led to believe that white is right. One of the biggest things that pissed me off real quickly uh, one of the biggest things that pissed me off about the whole Chris Rock and um, Will Smith incident, and I've talked about it at nauseum on the other podcast, but, you know, even on this one with the uh, breakdowns of the, you know, uh, previous episode that we've had here where I've talked about uh, breakdowns and reviews of Bel Air um, now streaming on the uh, Peacock Network. Um The biggest thing about that was that people's argument stemmed more from 
oh, why they act like that in front of white people? White people don't give a shit about how they act in front of us. Why all of a sudden do they become the gatekeepers, the measuring sticks, the ones that we should live by their examples? Meanwhile, they got a whole country of white people that invaded another country of white people just because mm, I like how that looks. I want that. They're bombing, gassing, shooting, and killing people. But you want me to feel some kind of way because one black man slapped another black man in front of white people. Yeah, nah. Yeah, no, nah, that, that, that will never be an issue for me. Let <laughs> me say it like that. Historically, we understand that Europeans have been the violent ones. Colonizers be colonizing, right? Right? We get that. Let's not act like it doesn't exist. Let's not act like let's not act like they should be the measuring stick, or that the way that they conduct themselves is the most Christ-like. Because oh yeah, they'll throw that in as well, right? <laughs> they'll throw the Bible in real quick. They'll tell you everything about it, even some things that they made up. And as black people, I think we've discovered a lot of things that we just kind of made up in the black community that really isn't in the Bible. Check with your pastor. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, again, that was just something that I observed. Um, something that I felt like I needed to speak on. You know, it just didn't, again, not sitting right in your spirit about certain things. I'm just wanting to say, now, again, I'm not trying to kick off any revolution about this. I'm not trying to um, say one way or the other, like, you know, oh, we should boycott the draft. We should do this, we should do that. I'm not saying anybody should do anything other than just take what I'm saying into consideration and think about it. Next time you look at the NFL draft or the next time you watch the NFL or, or ESPN or anything like that, listen to what they're saying, but also listen to what they're not saying. And I think that more often than not, depending on who that, that it's coming from, excuse me, especially if it's coming from someone on ESPN network, you'll hear a lot of things that they're not saying, especially when it comes to situations like this. Um, when it becomes a, a personal type thing, you know, what we're talking about. I, I, I don't get me wrong. You're going to get a couple of them that on ESPN that'll let you do that. But that's because ESPN missed the boat years ago, right? These conversations they should have been having on ESPN 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Now, because it's cool, because, you know, Black is the new Black. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's cool to have these conversations. It's cool to talk about these things. It's okay to have an open discussion about race and race relations, critical race theory, and all these other things. It's cool to have these conversations in public now on TV and not be worried about losing a sponsor. So they have them. But they're about 10, 15 years late. Hell, 20, 40 years late, honestly, because these conversations should have been happening. But the fact that you have to make rules just so they would interview, not hire, not hire black coaches or black head coaches. You had to make a rule just so they would interview black coaches. But yet you think that there's no racism in NFL? You think that that's not an issue? In the NFL, if you have to make a rule about it, problem means somewhere, some along the line, 
I say this at work all the time. If, if there's a policy about it, that means somewhere along the lines, somebody did something and they had to cover their ass to make sure that that never happens again. Fool me once. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I mean, that, that's the thing, right? Uh, uh, again, it's, it's just, I want y'all to just pay attention and just kind of, again, keep an open mind when you're looking at these things, right? Look at them from a different perspective. Listen to how they talk. Listen to how they talk about certain athletes. Listen to how they handle certain athletes. Listen to how, you know, like I said, little comments that are passed here, or oh, this guy got fired for this, or this guy said that, or this, and then look at the connections. NFL, oh, the NFL is connected. This guy coached that guy. This guy did with this guy. This guy used to date this guy's sister, married to this one. And this, well, Tony Romo was married or is married to the um, Jerry Jones' daughter, right? Like, <laughs> kind of peep those out, though, and see how things move. Pay attention. That's it. That's pretty much it. Listen to what they're saying, but also listen to what they're not saying. I don't know. It's just my opinion, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now been cleared for landing as we reach our final destination here at the Flight 742 Podcast. On behalf of everyone here, I'd like to thank you all for trusting us with your flying experience. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. For your safety and comfort, the Q&A option will be turned on. And as always, feedback is not only welcome, but encouraged. Hopefully you had a pleasant flight, but if not, I'll try to do better next time. Once again, this is your Captain Jimmy Robichaud, signing off.